All right, folks, welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, here with a quick word before we dive in. Now in this episode, I chat with actor and martial artist Noah Hathaway about the hardships of portraying Atreyu, his bittersweet relationship with the never-ending story, creativity, self-defense, and more. As always, thank you for listening, and if you'd like to help the show grow, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Anyway, without further ado, here you go. Sanctuary of the Strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Just take us back in time. You're a youngster. Yeah. Are you a book reader, fort builder, troublemaker, or all of the above? I was all of the above. I had, I'll go back even further. My mother named me the White Tornado. Very young. I was a very mature young kid. And I think, I mean, some some of that has to be like innately, I think, in somebody, uh, like an old soul. I started working. I mean, I got my SAG card in 1974. You know, I'm born in 71. So, Damn. you know, I've been at it a long time. I still have my, I still. I think maybe the couple of years that I was doing commercials and just kind of running around with the, I mean, my, my father was an acting coach and a quote unquote writer. And I, I just think they probably instilled some of that in me because it was important to them. I, I think, I mean, that's how every kid's got to start is I, I don't know any child that goes, Hey mom, at three years old, I think I'm going to star in commercials and TV and movies. It's always the parents, you know, it's always the parents either had a failed dream or they had, you know, somebody saw you or one of those stories. And uh, you have to make the decision whether you like it or not or whether you have, you know, a, a knack for it. And evidently I did. But I was like a little man. So when <laughs> that was my other my other nickname, when I started Battlestar Galactica at six, they called me the 40 year old midget. <laughs> you know, on a set, people are cussing, and there's, you know, the grips and, you know, light department and, and people swearing. And so you'd hear, 40-year-old midget on the set. And so people would stop cussing around me, and they'd be like, you know, they'd watch their manners a little more. <laughs> so, I know your dad was a an acting teacher and an actor. Was your mom in the business as well? Well, my mom managed uh, talent for my, uh, probably, I don't know when she started, late teens, or probably around the time when I was maybe 13, 14, after the never-ending story. She started uh, through me, you know, started handling people, either friends that I knew or or she had a couple of really good uh, clients that, that still worked. I just saw uh, uh, just passed recently a friend, Denise Downs. Uh, my mom handled her, like started her career 
There's a couple people my mom started a couple of careers. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how long she did that for, <laughs> but gotcha. she did it for a, little, a good a good spill. So uh, when it comes to you know formative films and TV shows that you grew up on yourself, what comes to mind? TV shows. Oh man, I loved like the Six Million Dollar Man, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I'm a sucker for kung fu movies. So uh, we used to have Quentin owns the Quentin Tarantino owns our movie theater where like I grew up going and. Uh, the Beverly at the yeah the old the Beverly is I guess he calls it the new Beverly now or something a kind of baller you could just no I don't it's like he reminds me of Cartman with when he gets his uh, uh when he gets the theme park you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, He's yeah, like, yeah. nobody's coming <laughs> but you could do that you know you could just be like no I'm just gonna watch my own movie tonight it's kind of <laughs> so we used to go I think it was like 75 cents on Sunday you could go see kung fu, two kung fu movies and cartoons in between let's see what else. Speed Racer was like my other jam. I didn't get a lot of, I got cartoons, but my mom was kind of weird about what I watched, which I guess, right, you know, rightfully so to an extent. My dad was a little more lenient, but then again, they had really weird movie taste. Like I got to see Alien when it came out, which was like 70, I was like six or seven at the most. That's a, you know, like. That's a pretty serious movie. They, yeah, as long as it was like a theatrical serious movie. I, I remember going to see, what year What year was The World According to Garp come out? Like 81 yeah, or yeah. something? Like I was always going to weird, the very first movie I saw in theaters. I, you know what? I don't. I don't. There's, it, it's, I've been going, <laughs> been going to movies for a really long time. It, it probably had to be, shoot, I couldn't tell you seen star the original star wars and now you can god everybody sees it you know you got streaming but exactly back in the day it was kind yeah. of a, a badge of honor you were like i saw it there i saw it the first time around yeah and star wars was at the theater for a year that's unheard of you know that will never happen again no no that's and the line like that's what i miss like i miss going so we have like you know how you have like your neighbor you, you know every like city's got we have west we had westwood we got hollywood so you could go to Hollywood or you could go to Westwood. Westwood is where like UCLA is at. So it's a little, it's not so rugged, right? <laughs> uh, so we would go there and Friday, Saturday night, you'd have like Friday the 13th opening, midnight show. You beg, beg the parents, you know, they let you stay, you go. There was a line and people screaming and hollering, you know what I mean? And, and then you'd get in there and people like bottles, you'd hear rolling down then people talking and yelling, don't go in there. Like, you know that's the way movie experience should be, right? And, and uh, I don't, I don't know if I haven't been to one in a long time, so I don't, I don't know if audiences really appreciate that stuff anymore. I know they have like chairs that shake and kind of do that whole thing, which I, I just think all that shit takes away from uh, from the movie. I just think movies now need all those bells and whistles for people just to sit through. And I think a part of it was, you know, back in the day, you never, it, you could be waiting six months to a year before that you could see that movie again. And now you wait a couple of weeks and it's on some streaming service. Yeah, we're all fat and bloody. <laughs> Lazy. We need it now. I haven't been to a movie in, I don't even know, maybe going on six years, something like that. It was right before the the pandemic I, man i'm just not a fan of i'm not a marvel fan really like one or two x-men are, are my i say my wife's gay husband <laughs> he'll be mad i just said that <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> they like he produced like the transformer and x-men movie and and so like i've seen a couple of those like i saw the first transformers we'll get, i have to see the new one but i don't see a lot of that stuff so I, like i might watch it ha- i We'll put it on while we're doing stuff in the house, maybe, you know? So I'm just not, I, I, I like movies. 
Like to me, those are like adult cartoons, kind of on steroids. Agreed. You know, I agree you could with you. put a toddler, you know, in front of that, and and you could go do your your chores and stuff or whatever you got to do, and he'd be engrossed. That's kind of how I feel. Is they just kind of put all us people on a little blanket, and it's like a big cartoon to me. It is. You know. Yeah. Which, if I'm gonna watch cartoons, it's South Park or it's <laughs> Mr. Pickles or. <laughs> You know, Bob will call me sheriff or something like that, you know. I always go back to what I grew up on, man. I'll, I'll watch a horror movie I've seen 20 times over something new. It's just uh, how I am. All day long. <laughs> and and do. And do. I mean, there's some good ones. I'm a big horror fan. I like some of the stuff coming out. Like, our, our buddy does the Terrifiers. It's pretty... Uh, we like Oh, Damien. yeah, 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 yeah. He's, uh, uh, I like what he did with the second one, even. But a lot of them are... It seems like you got super cheese or you have like big budget and then they kind of fall short to me like there yeah there's just it doesn't seem like there's a happy middle yeah there's like no there's middle a, ground a, whatsoever a yeah. middle ground with these with, with with horror movies like before like you could i mean i grew up with like blood sucking freaks and driller killer and you know what i mean the like, exorcist you know that's a crazy story uh, great actually yeah <laughs> i can't even tell that all the oh. just william the director just passed yeah he just week. passed and uh he was an interesting dude. I don't know how through through different channels, and I know a lot about him. Maybe a lot that people don't know, just because of I just know weird people from all. Man, like my best friend all in my, growing up and up until you know, I mean, for like twenty years was a plasterer. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But like, if you knew who this dude knew, it would it would sizzle your brain. Like it just didn't make any sense. Like he, you know, Alec Baldwin would call him, or you know, like. And he just yeah, and he'd hang the phone up like you know what I mean. Like yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to write something loosely based on him because that's kind of what I've been doing since the pandemic hit. And I was like, ah, I don't want to sit in my house anymore. Let me go. So I moved to Vegas for a couple of years. I just started writing. Like I just locked myself in the house because you know not not too much hot as shit in Vegas. <laughs> and oh, dude, it was like huh. the day I moved, it was 113 or 114, and I rolled up at like. I was like 10 in the morning and at that time it was 113 it's just me and the dogs and a in a r and a, and a u-haul this is how how many people were getting out of dodge i called u-haul at like four in the morning i had some stuff go down with my neighbor and i was like no nah, i'm just this is my decision i'm going hour he put me on hold he goes dude i got you the last u-haul in california shit <laughs> he goes the door doesn't go down there's graffiti on it. I go, sold, brother. Let's I'm getting the hell out. And I split. But that's how many people were like, fuck this. I'm out of here. And more of I mean, it got it's so bad that if you go to look for an apartment in Vegas and they know you're from California, they either won't rent to you or they'll they'll triple the bill. Like so many people. Yeah, it, it is nuts. Uh, what was my oh, so I look at the dogs. It was me and the dogs, and I go, I go, what'd we do? Holy <laughs> It'd be a week and a half, 120 degrees. I moved there. I just started writing. I just kind of started writing. I don't feel, and I'm sure there's a lot of movies out there because there's a gazillion, not channels, but streaming uh, platforms. I just don't feel like there's any movies. Like my, my wheelhouse is like from mid, late 60s to mid 90s mm. of movies. You got Rockies. You got French Connections. You got all these amazing but i don't it doesn't feel like there's anything like that or even anything remotely like gritty and real and and even 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 something that like narc 
Narc was, I don't know if you saw Narc. Narc was great. The Jason Patrick movie with, with Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. way it was shot and grainy. And I think that was, uh, oh, I forgot what director. Uh, uh, but that's kind of like, it doesn't have to be drama because we, you know, uh, <laughs> my, wife's a, my wife's a ham. She doesn't t- stop talking shit. She's really funny and super, her brain works really, it's quirky. We, we got a team, we got, we got a couple sitcoms that, that she came up with actually, which we're gonna try to, you know, either get sold or produce ourselves in the next year. We're just working on them. So that's kind of what I started doing is I just started writing shit that I wanna see. And, and I think in that there's a, a, a to your own self be true type of, type of deal where people resonate when you're just honest and authentic there's something about it that people are attracted to because yeah. I don't know, maybe because nobody really fucking is. It's really hard to be honest and authentic. And, and you know, I guess with an artist, they're like bearing your soul is, is that's their authenticity. You know, when you get older, like I got to leave space for important shit. So like <laughs> little stuff like names, I, I don't even bother anymore or places. So somebody will ask me, where'd you, where were you last week? I go, Kansas. Nebraska, like I just somewhere, like I couldn't tell you somewhere. <laughs> somewhere, I'm trying to do my rewrites now, right now, so I can get ready to start gearing up for a, a shoot. Because my, my my crazy ass buddy talked me into directing this, so I had written it. I wrote it on like a, not even a whim. I, I ate a thousand milligram cookie, <laughs> which is a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is. When I kind of went. <laughs> Fuck it, it's a pandemic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I uh, kind of sobered, <laughs> I, I read this notes I had, and I had two synopses written out. And one was for this movie called Parting Seas, and uh, another was Off the Rails. And so I sent him to a buddy, and he was like, who wrote this? <laughs> and I was all, <laughs> I go, yeah, I did. He goes, you wrote a coming-of-age movie. I was like, yep. <laughs> he was like, who are you, dude? Because, you know, I'm usually kind of a dark doomy gloomy kind of maybe not thriller but like film noir kind of guy yeah. like that vibe so i told another friend about it in england and he goes oh you're directing he every time i tell it i can't people cry I, i'm friends with two pistols and when we had met i had another deal we were talking to him about something else movies came up and writing came up and and i i gave him a loose pitch and it, you know you know him he's like grilled up and he's all iced <laughs> out and and he had two homies with him, and they were all, you know, G'd up and, and iced out, and they were all crying, and, and they had to get up, and they, like, ran out when I finished. They were all, ah! they ran out the room, and my wife's best friend, when I told her, she's like, oh, I want to hear it. Oh, you don't want to hear it. She's like, no, press me. Tears, she's like, that's my story. It's it's everybody's story, you know what I mean? There's there's just parts of it that I've used my story. I've used parts of my my life that were hard or that had some rough shit in it because everybody's had rough shit. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's just a coming of age movie about a kid who's turning he's 12, 13 from Cincinnati. I've never been out of Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. Doesn't know how to drive. Never kissed a girl. You know, never even thought about kissing the girl till then. And uh, finds out he's going to die of terminal cancer. And he wow. has some really absent, shitty mom. Just this overbearing, horrible like bitter woman and the dad's like the beta absentee and so he climbs out the window in the middle of the night uh with his dog and he goes walking for the ocean and that's his adventure and these are all the people that he meets on the way to the to the ocean that teach him how to love and teach him how to drive and and teach him what being a man is and what hate is and then it takes a good turn 
We got like an old Smoking in the Bandit car chase. But it's got a little bit of, you know, I'm just a firm believer of if you're going to tell a story, kick people in the dick while you're telling them because then they'll remember it. Right. And either emotionally, either with your action, either with, I'm not a big camera moving guy, you know, like uh, I like handheld too, but like I don't like how they shoot and they intentionally make things shaky or they cut 10 million times. I'm a fan of like, let that camera, let the scene take place, let it happen. And then, you know, the camera movement should come from the, the cameraman running with the camera or moving. So that's kind of like, yeah, that's the, that's a very loose, I tell a much in-depth one, but yeah, that's kind of just a very loose, broad. So yeah, he was like, you're going to direct it. I was like, ah, get out, I'm not doing nothing. I just want to write. He was like, this is it. And he's a, he's a stunt coordinator. So he's going to do all the stunts and, and we're going to put every, you know, everything together that way. We're just going to have a bunch of my friends. That's the families best way to do special it. Special effects, yeah. Families and special effects, you know, business, and, all, and most of my friends. So like, he, they're going to do whatever effects. My boy Spencer's, uh, he's a first unit director and a stunt coordinator. So we just kind of, I, I'm going to surround myself with people that know a lot more than I do, that I can trust, that I can work with the actors, I can get out of them what I need, <laughs> and hopefully I don't, I don't fuck up too bad. <laughs> I, I, I was joking. I go, I'm, it's either going to be great. And if people will be like, oh, kudos, or I'm going to fail like horribly and spectacularly. And I'll be on like TMZ with Bam Margera. Oh, no. Well, either way, it should be fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, fortune smiles on the prepared man. Mm-hmm. That's one of those kind of that's truism, you know. There's probably a million people with the same idea. But if you're prepared to pull the trigger and all your ducks in a row, that's usually who's going to win the game, you know, or, or get the prize. I love the quote, you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I have yeah. that in my head at all times. I love that one. I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, I, I, I'm not great with quotes. I like people who could like, who have all these great quotes. I was like, <laughs> damn, that's kind of fly. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd fuck one up and I'd be like, you know, I'd say something stupid. <laughs> so Noah, just to back up, this is something I like to ask everyone. Cause you just never yeah. know uh, what scared you when you were a kid. I used to sleep like this for a while. Scared of vampires? I, I, I a, yeah. So, <laughs> I just, you, Dick, you just made me think of that. that funny. <laughs> I, yeah, when I was really, 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 maybe between four and six, or I don't know what I saw, but it was it it was vampire related. And knowing knowing my parents, you know what it had it had to have been. I, I want to say that Frank Langella's Dracula. Mm. The one with uh, uh, Laurence Olivier, that hit, that one is one of my favorite vampire movies. Incredible, if you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was that one because that's an early set. You know, I mean, I love, I love them all. <laughs> I'm a creature of the Black Lagoon. It's my personal favorite. But hey, that's uh, a good one. And they haven't screwed it up yet. They haven't remade it. <laughs> no, I I, they they haven't. It's not really like you know Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman. It doesn't. Right. Kind of, it's not in circulation like the other ones are. Oh, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> kind of something I'm like, Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> so you, you started acting real early on. Like you said, you had your SAG card when you were three. What about martial arts? When did that interest arise? Right after, uh, right after Battlestar. I went to a private French school. Why? I couldn't tell you. My parents didn't speak a lick of French, weren't French. They just thought it was, it was probably uh, cultural, you know? <laughs> <laughs> To, for a kid to speak French, so I didn't get it too, I, and I got it bad enough. Uh, I got bullied a lot, man. When when I would come home, like 
you know, you, you, you do a lot of schooling on set, but then there were times you, you went to school and, you know, you're on a TV show, kids are watching at night and kids are dicks, you know? Uh, that's why we don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> but I got bullied a lot and I got tired of getting my ass kicked. And so around, probably around seven, eight, I, I was like, I, you know, about seven, eight, I, I begged my parents to take me to, to let me go to martial arts. I, it was boxing was first and they were like, no, there's no way. I would have been fine with boxing. That's, you know, as you know, that's one of the best bases you could, you know, boxing, wrestling, and Muay Thai, you know, and or jujitsu, you can you take out the wrestling and put in, I don't know, dude, wrestlers are, <laughs> they're mental, the wrestlers are no joke. I, I would say that's probably the best base for any hand combat is wrestling. Yeah, I was just talking about that exact same thing the other day. If you go through the list of USC champions, a lot of them have deep, Matt Hughes, just thinking of back in the day, you know. Randy Couture. Yeah, you go down the list. When Randy Couture smoked Big Tim Sylvia, like, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, look at Vitor Belfort. Vitor, you know, he was a bang people out. I mean, look at he banged out uh, Vanderlei Silva in like 20 seconds. But he was a jujitsu guy first, even though he was a boxer. His platform was jujitsu. And, and, you know, like when he snapped Tim Sylvia's arm, he snapped. He almost snapped John Roy Jones Jr.'s arm. So I, I think that's the best. I think that's the best base. I, I, I know that's that was a, a big go-to move. Which now I was like, we we watched the you know we watched you know little clips or whatnot, and I'll be like, babe, that's my go-to move. I used to shoot a double and dump people on their head if they were bigger than me, or if I didn't think I was going to come out on top. That like you know when you size somebody up, you know before you even start scrapping, you know in your mind's eye what's gonna happen and uh that's my go-to is shoot a double and oh and now you see people like you see on youtube you see people everywhere using that move people are on the on the street i think wrestling's the best i would have boxed but i actually when i went to when i went to beverly high so i went to this private school I had a uniform and a tie and it was all buttoned down and I had enough by like, you know, 10th grade. So I went to Beverly Hills High, which was public school. Not very real public school, but yeah, I got I got really bullied there too. Wow. That's where I got really bullied because I think it was different. Kids are, you know, high school football team. I remember walking out of class and some, you know, some 200 pound football player punched me in the back of the head and we fell out into a fight in the hallway, you know? And, and that was like, I, I they sent me to continuation because... I was in a fight every week. Was this post never ending story? Oh yeah. yeah you yeah, think that had a lot to do with it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Plus, I mean, I was like 15, 14, 15 when I went to Beverly high 15. That's an awkward age anyway. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't even go. So when I went, they had like this full, it was color, man. Like, I, I think back, like I, I, who does that? Like they took out, I didn't sure didn't take it out. There was like four or five full pages in the yearbook, like in the middle of me, like my headshot and a whole bio and article. And I was like, oh shit, I don't want to go to the school now. That's a red like, target. Yeah. And I had just emancipated myself, but I didn't want the GED. And so I wanted to get my diploma, which I could have just, you know, done. But I, yeah, they had to send me to continuation. I showed the first day I showed up, it was like right off the gate. But if I hadn't had any of that martial arts or any of any of that, I'd have been I'd have been ground meat. And I think my first there's a teacher called Emil Farkas, and I think he was like. So we lived in West Hollywood, and I'm not even going to say what street I lived on because my wife's cracking up and shit. So I'll tell you. I know that there are people are listening, but 
I lived, okay, in West Hollywood. So, you know, West Hollywood is like, you know, gay mecca of the world, practically. <clears throat> on Dick Street. <laughs> but it was on the corner of Dick's and Willie. Willis. <laughs> so my wife talked shit all day about that. <laughs> so went in there and took for him, took with him for a while. And he taught, like, Lou Ferrigno. He taught a bunch of Hollywood people back then. Didn't, didn't really know. And so they cast me... At, and I think I was maybe eight or nine in Beastmaster. So this was pre what's his damn name? Um, oh, I forget his name. All ripped up and baby oiled. You know what I mean? Uh, the Beastmaster dude. Yes. Mark it, Singer. It was the, yeah, that's right. That's right. Singer. Uh, Mark Singer. Yeah. So I they 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 were supposed to be a little kid with the two ferrets who spoke. You know, they understood me, and I thought it was a lot cuter than you know they got some. But I get why they got the big, you know, Conan had just come out. Yeah, exactly. You know? So we trained for like a month and a half and he had me, they had me, they were paying for different lessons and swords and all this crap. And then literally like a two days before we're supposed to, we had a shooting date and scripts and all that. They shit canned me <laughs> and they got Mark Singer. So I'm in an elevator at a convention and I, I look over and he's standing there and he's a you know, big dude. Yeah. And I go, Hey, told him a quick story, like real quick. And he just looked at me like, he kind of grunted. He didn't even really say anything. <laughs> Damn. I I, yeah, I wish there was something, just nothing. He just was all, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, based, that, that kind of started my, and I then I found Bruce Lee right away, you know, around those times. And, you know, who who wasn't, if you're, if you're th between 30 and whatever, who wasn't influenced by Bruce Lee? And then, and Sonny Chiba was another one of my, favorites growing up who i you know i got to work with in sushi girl that's how they I, that's how they actually got me to start working again <laughs> was i was living in amsterdam and i had been out of the business for i don't know maybe 10 years no yeah something like that like 10 years just my back was fucked i broke it on a movie long story and you know backs are you you mess your back up and and uh, normally you're 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 proper fucked so I just was doing my thing and, and uh, living in, in Amsterdam, and I get a, an email at like it's like two or three in the morning. Hey, we have this little low budget movie with Mark Hamill and Tony Todd and Sonny Chiba. We've got a couple of good scenes with Sonny Chiba with you. I was like, okay. So I hit him up because <laughs> normally I'd have been like, eh, which I did. I feel so bad too. We're gonna have to talk about it because <laughs> uh, my buddy works with the RZA. <laughs> I was gonna get cast in Inglorious Bastards. I didn't check my fucking machine for like a week <laughs> and they oh, kept no. calling and the message was super nice and then they got shittier as the time went because <laughs> like I just wasn't calling them back, you know, so that was my mode at that time, you know, like I was just not. You were done. I really, yeah, I wasn't in it. <laughs> so I go, Sunny Chiba. Okay, well, you got me interested and they shot me over a couple pages and told me what it was about. And I was like, yeah, cool. That's how I came back to, you know, I started working after a, quite a while was, you know, Sunny Chiba go to dinners and hang out that's one of my that to me is rad and you got study chiba taking you to japanese to taking you to sushi and with the uh with the never ending story do you rem remember that being a typical audition was it a right place right time situation yeah. not at all it took we, i auditioned for a year with two different directors that's why i say how can you be a right place yeah, right, right time i must have had 15 15 interviews between auditions Readings, directors, producers. Yeah, I probably had 15. But so the, they had a different director. I don't know who it was. I'd probably find out. And they shit canned them. But they saw, like, they did one of those 
international. We're going to see, you know, 50,000 kids. They did one of those, you know, probably auditioned seven times and got it. And they fired him. Which, you know, if you know anything about auditioning, it's not fun in the first place. And then, you know, you're always on edge because you're waiting to hear what happened. And that, yeah, it's not it's not cool. And then they, they, they shit can him. And then they got Wolfgang Peterson. And then it was dicey because Wolfgang was having trouble with the script. And But then I auditioned for another. You know, they did another, they saw another 20, 30,000 kids. And I got it again. So that's why I say right place, right time. I don't know. Yeah. But, I don't know how the universe works. <laughs> I don't know much of anything these days <laughs> from, from what I'm finding out. Woo! Good <laughs> Lord. There's a lot of interesting shit going on in the world. <laughs> yeah, apparently we got aliens out here, you know. <laughs> oh, don't get my wife started. She, she, you know, the podcast get, that gets Noah kills, right? <laughs> oh, no, we don't want that. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know, there's... No men in black knocking on your door. Well... <laughs> We know our phones are tapped already, so it's, I, I, it's in this day and age. It's very easy to do. Yeah. Oh, very. We I, we know one of one of my buddies is is one of the top hackers in in the world. <laughs> when Europe went down, like I think it was like 2013, the whole banking, they could, nobody in Europe could could fix it. They were like screwed for nobody go to the banks. Everything was down. They flew him over in a couple days. So he we were we we were having dinner a couple couple weeks ago. <laughs> You can just do whatever. Like it's it's scary. I don't care what you do as a human being, as long as it doesn't infringe on my my freedom and vice versa. I, I want everybody to do. I don't want to tell you how to act and what to do and how to do this. I, I could care. I want you to be free, have a wonderful life, marry who you want, love who the hell you want. Just don't fuck with me. Let I'm me preaching to mine. the choir. <laughs> and, and I will do the same. And I'm a good human being. And I don't do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was gonna say too much dirt, but <laughs> that's that. <laughs> so so yeah. I mean, with the never-ending story, the, the universe. How do you say that? You know. I mean, I worked my ass off for a year. Yeah. So I auditioned for a year, and then uh, we shot for a year. And the only other person who shot was Tammy. I think Tammy was shot for maybe a month, but I don't think she shot for a month. That scene. Oh, that scene probably took two weeks to do. Well, Noah, you know just as much as anybody, you're involved in one of, if not the most saddest scenes in cinema history. Yeah. <laughs> how I often know. do uh, folks... I know. How, oh, dude, that... <laughs> they yeah. just lay your, their childhood traumas all at your feet when they see you. <laughs> you. Bro, you had it right on the head. You have no idea. I get criers at every appearance... Anytime they see, I, I stopped putting, I used to have that a picture, a great picture of me in the in the swamp pulling the horse. I took it off the table for, for a long time because, I mean, you know, you're trying to have a good time and who wants sobbing and crying? <laughs> like, it's just not a good look. And, and I get it, though. I mean, I've had big bikers, dude. I was in New Jersey, and I don't want to say they were a member of any club, but. <laughs> they could have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they were like definitely uh, patched up, and they saw that picture, and they had the six two, six four. You know, everybody looks six four to me. I'm only like five seven and a half. <laughs> I take it. Uh, they started crying, and I'm getting up and I'm hugging these big dudes. I don't know, and that's also part of the reason why I even bother with the movie because they they didn't pay me. They they just did everything you could do to fuck somebody over. They did. It was just, they were just gross people, you know? And, and uh, now the director's passed, you know, I, I just, it's not that I talk shit. I just, I'm just a realist. I say it like it is. And 
if you want me to sugarcoat something, you 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 got the wrong person to do do that. that right. I don't have any of that in me. Yeah, they, they they blackmailed. They did everything you can fucking do. They did. So I didn't even talk about the movie for a bunch of years, and then I just started getting you know the letters and the people I would talk would you know I'd go out and people would talk to me and and uh, it was just so cathartic for people and it hit home and people yeah it, it literally it's got to be the the hardest most i don't want to say sad but it's like gut-wrenching scene it's probably in the top five it in is movie history yeah. it's got to be. huh oh uh, yeah my wife says the shoe would, would in, in who framed roger rabbit's pretty bad yeah that's up there people were saying optimus prime when he got killed but i never saw it so but but so I you know I didn't have much to do with the Neverending Story for a while because it was just such a it was such a gnarly plus I had a, a really bad accident that that not indirectly changed the course of a lot of things in my life that broke my back. So did would you say it's fair to say that you know your interactions with fans and conventions changed your relationship with the movie then? Absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent, a hundred hundred percent. If if proud of what I did always proud of the work i did like i busted my ass like you you couldn't shoot that legally with a child a 12 year old you couldn't they you know i, I mean I, I can't tell you how many times i get asked oh how much fun was it falling out of the tree or rolling down the turtle yeah it was fun the first two times but wolfgang peterson was a 30 take director so you got five setups in a day three setups and you're doing 30 takes of falling out of a tree that's 20 feet no so it, you know a year of that and uh, you know i worked my ass off and for them to have done all the crap that they did and and yeah nobody else would i that's the only reason i talk of i even have anything to do with it is is i mean i can't it's hard to tell like hundreds at least hundreds of people at least a hundred i was going to kill myself if it weren't for your movie like i had a gun in my mouth or i was about to jump off a ledge i, I mean brother when i I always stay and talk to people afterwards because it's like therapy and, and really it is. And I'll, it, you know, if somebody comes up to me, I, I don't just sit like, I, I'm, I'm like, come down, let's talk, let's sit on the floor. Let's, that's how I am. Cause it, that's the reason, you know, I mean, I'm there, you, you know, you meet people, you make some, you know, they pay you to go, whatever. It's all fine and dandy, but that's why I go. Right. Is every time I go, I get to sit and spend some like, like quality human time and if you're anything of a decent human being and somebody tells you something you did kept them from eating a bullet and you don't acknowledge that and, and spend a couple minutes you're just a piece of shit agree so <laughs> it, you know that's sorry you know and, and 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 i see all kinds of celebrities not even look at people and just sign and and cool that's you but you, hey newsflash buddy you're a piece of shit you know <laughs> so I, I spend as much time as i you know, as, as I can, and uh, sometimes it's a lot. I've spent hours afterwards sitting with people and hugging them and crying, and yeah, it's it's fuck that stupid horse. That's <laughs> <laughs> my wife. <laughs> I mean, that scene has also brought a lot of people together. It has it's crazy in, in, in a roundabout way. So I started putting it out on my table when I go do a signing or do whatever, and uh, people have been like picking that one to sign a lot. And I think they're like meeting me and people are, you know, people tell stories and, and uh, I think people are putting a new spin on it for themselves uh, because, yeah, everybody I know that's ever seen it is, is traumatized by that damn scene. But, you know, we shot that. It took that three fucking weeks to shoot that scene, that one scene, not the whole swamps, 
just that scene. What was the issue? Dude, was it the horse? Parts. They had a they had a, a hydraulic lift. They had the horse. They had thirty two takes with every shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it was cold. You had to match every shot in continuity. So I'm jumping in the water to save the horse, but then you got to match it, and then you got to match the splatters, and it was miserable. Hi, mom. My little dog. Uh-oh. I got a fourteen year old Chihuahua. We have a pit bull that we rescued uh, at the beginning of the year. I, he rescued us. How old I is he? Lost my, he's got to be three. He's young. I lost. I had a dog. I had a French bulldog I had for fourteen years that I lost uh, about a year, no, about two years ago, and I lost my parents in the same month. And it was so. It was my fiftieth birthday. I lost both parents and my dog, my service Fuck. dog of fourteen years. So I was. I got kicked in the dick that month. Rough month. Yeah, rough month. And then uh, met my wife the same month too, though. So. The wife saved me. Balances. I go. I, I've been. I've lived all over the world. I had to go to Vegas to meet my wife. She takes our little one out. It's like four thirty in the morning. It's, it's drizzling. Or it's raining. Takes her outside to go pee. We're night owls, and she goes, "Babe, come in here. Oh, come out here. Sorry." And uh, I go out, and there's just pit bull sitting in the rain. And I go, "Okay, I don't know it. My first dog was a wolf hybrid, so mm. I've been around big dogs my whole life. So I go, "Okay, cool. If it's still there in twenty. We'll put him in the garage, give him some food, see if we can't, you know, do stuff in the morning. Go back out. I go, damn, I knew he was going to be there. So we brought him in, and he's never left. And he's he's a freeloader. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I mean, you too. So, <laughs> so he, uh, he he's like service dog trained, evidently. Like somebody threw him away. But the crazy thing was about it had to have been less than a week. I go to Kayla. Hey, baby, I think we should start looking for a dog. And I shit you not, within three or four days, that fool was outside my front door. He heard you. And he is, the, and he loves me. He, I, he get, goes. He does not like me to leave. My, his, I mean, he doesn't let me leave, but he's always with me. He, he throws a tan, like literally a, a temper tantrum, if I try to split without him. You know, my phone's being tapped, and somebody let a dog out. <laughs> it, it all rolls into one. <laughs> well, I was. I wrote a pilot. I wrote a pilot uh, uh, for a TV show that's got uh, it's, it's about special forces, and I got a lot of special force buddy. A couple, I had a couple when I started it, but as I started talking to people and developing it, <laughs> I, I met a couple other ones, and and then for a year it seemed like everywhere I went, I met a general. <laughs> I'm not going to say any names. He, a general found me out, and and kind of we we got to be friends and uh all of a sudden everywhere i went there were like special forces dudes at every thing i went to and i was like this is kind of strange and he made a joke once and he was like oh we were just bullshitting he's like yeah your phones are tapped anyways and then he just kept talking and i went okay back up and he's like no but really no but not joke and i was like well the guy's a general and the guy i don't know what he works in is is it'd be real easy for him to do it (laughs) well yeah so i already know they are (laughs) so we we don't have any secrets in our house (laughs) we're kind of already on this subject noah but just to put a bow on this and i'll let you go for the evening this is something i like to ask everyone have you ever had an experience that you would consider supernatural or paranormal uh yeah a couple several not ooh spooky ghost you know (laughs) yeah i had a couple so two okay one i'll tell you about the other one i'm not going to tell you um fair so the one i tell you about is is my best friend was a medium and a psychic growing up for like 20 best friend ever this guy john watts uh plaster but people all over would come i mean you i never understood 
you know, was, you know how your best friend, you're like, whatever, but like they have their things that they do. And people from all over would ask him for advice, spiritual advice. And I'd be like, you for spiritual advice. Like if you knew him, it, it was just crazy. But like, there's a lady, Marianne Williamson. She, she's a, a, like, I guess you would call it self-help. She does a course of miracles. She used to call him before she was famous uh, and get advice from him. And she'd run stuff by him. And he, he was just always like, he, he just, he was always helping people and, and doing stuff with people. And, and we'd always hang out and sleep at each other's places and whatnot. And so I go, I was crashing at his pad and he, he woke me up. He's like, dude, I got to go up to like San Luis Obispo. We got to do this thing. This, this, this psychic needs to see me. I was like, oh shit, here we go. And I always ate. That shit makes me nervous. It makes me uncomfortable. I get, I get goosebumps. You just start talking about it. Like the second anybody brings it up, I get chicken skin down my arms. I know what that's about. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I was always like that. I go, like I got a couple of them. Like I got, I'll tell you another one after this. So we go to this place. You don't meet the lady. You don't talk to anybody. You should go into this. An assistant brings you into this room. We sit down in this crazy house in this room, and there's a couple other people. I she doesn't know I'm coming. They were actually like, uh, he was like, no, he's got to come. So she never heard my name, never saw nothing. Right? You got got to understand that, like zero. Uh, I'm finally, you know, about half hour we sit and I'm like, oh, this is going to be tables floating. And she comes out and she sits down and I'm kind of over to the left. And she goes, you, Noah, you need to write. That's all. That's your calling. And that's all she said. And I was all. And she didn't even talk to my buddy. He was pissed. He was like, what the fuck? For like three hours on the ride home, he was like, mother, what the all this way that was for you see how that works that was your message they told me i had to go and i brought your ass so that was one of them and then another one he woke me up i was sleeping on his couch and he got some thing he got in his head and he goes get in the car i was like shit all right we go in the car truck we drive out in the middle of the desert we're in the middle of like by palm springs or whatever and he stops in the middle of the desert and he found a baby in the desert in a garbage pile whoa yeah <laughs> That's that Those definitely counts. Yeah. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> They're not like ooh spooky ghosts, but you know. Right, and that's what I tell people when I ask the question. Usually people think, ooh, ghosts, but that's not all the things I consider paranormal. It could be yeah, many other things, no, you know. No. Any type of Yeah, I always uh what was that Leonard Nimoy show back yeah. in the day? I oh, used to watch shit. that. Uh, I yeah, know what yeah, you're, you talk- I, yeah, about, I you're talking. Yeah, I can't think of the name, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. They did the Bermuda Triangles, and they always like spooky shit. In search of, in search of, in search of. Yeah, yeah. It was just in search of, and it was. So I haven't. I've had yeah a bunch like that. I just don't. I don't really talk about them because I don't. I just think certain things you leave that way. Right. Right. Understood. Well, Noah, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, man. Just to put a bow on everything here, and we'll just wrap up. My uh, pleasure. Kind of had diarrhea of the mouth, had a little coffee. That's what this is go. for. Get, I mean, a, get a workout in right now when we're done. <laughs> try, to, try to stay walking and moving. <laughs> so just uh, just tell folks what's on the horizon for you to put a bow on everything here. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, it looks like I'm going to direct a movie this year. It'll probably, I don't know, come out 2025 or some, if we're all alive and well. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, so I'm just writing and directing. I mean, we've got a couple, uh, I got a couple TV shows that we're working on the scripts. I've got a couple movies. We're just, I can only write so much and I'm not like a, a, a trained, like a, you know, a professional writer, but I am. Uh, so it takes me a little longer sometimes to, uh, to get things and, and I'm a little ADHD. So I try to work on four or five scripts at a time. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not. Uh, but yeah, just, I got some movies coming, uh, Probably not a lot of acting. I don't write things for me. I always feel that there's a better option out there than not that. Not that it, I, I just I think there's a better for that role. You right. know, like I get why people. You know, like Stallone. He writes. I get it. Like you know, I don't. I just my ego's not that big. Like I just I, I, I'm about the movie. I guess you know. And it's not that I didn't think I c couldn't carry it. I just you know why. <laughs> That's right. a lot of stress. I just rather do, you know, write it and, and maybe direct one or two here and there. And, and uh, so, yeah, that's about it. You know, you can find me. I got a, I got a, uh, I do appearances, you know, all over the place. Like we're, yeah, I got a website, noelhathaway.com. And, and yeah, my crazy wife, does, she's, <laughs> she's got t-shirts and stuff like that. Like <laughs> she got one that says, save our tags. Right. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> well, uh, like I said, it's been a pleasure, man. I uh, thank Dude, you and thank you, and thank man. Kayla for setting this up. Absolutely, absolutely. She's she's sitting over there talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys Will have do, a great brother. have a great rest pleasure. of your day, man. Bye bye. Thanks, man. Bye. All right, folks, that's a wrap. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back next time. Monsters madness and magic <laughs>